All right, guys, welcome back. Yes, here we are. Numbers 32, lesson 91. And I, I have to tell you, I, 91 lessons. I haven't been this excited about this one because the group that we have with us today, sorry, guys, no offense. It's not you guys. It's not the Kevin, the Taylors, the Drews, and the Toms. We actually have the old school regular Friday morning crew. We've been doing this for six, seven years. Started out of a furniture place in Dallas, Texas at Durango. You guys remember that? And do you remember we had little desks? I don't know if you remember that. We had these little desks. Then we moved to a little studio next to that. And this this crew, you know, despite traveling, despite jobs, despite ministry, despite life, we've just kind of... We just hung in there together. And so we invited them to come in for one of the recordings because when we thought through Acts 19 and the daily discussions, like to me, I thought, man, our Friday morning guys, that's, that's who we are. But I want you to understand this is the crew that helped initiate what we're doing with Revive School. And so it really is an honor to, to be running with you guys, whatever phase of life we're in. And so you have caused me to dig into the word of God. And now it's causing us to do this for a whole lot of people in the United States. So what an encouragement. And so we're going to jump into Numbers 32, just so you know the backdrop is, let's go to Drew. Drew, we just talked about a battle. The Israelites just fought who, and who did they beat? Uh, they, they fought the Midianites. That's right. They fought the Midianites, and they fought the Midianites because God said, I'm going to give you my vengeance. I want you to go through. You're going to clean house. And oh, by the way, don't forget to kill everybody. But and the problem is, is they brought the women, they brought the children. And so then Moses had to clarify, hey, I need you to kill all the, all the male kids, the older kids. I need you to... Uh, uh, make sure that you kill any of the women that have had sexual relations with any of the guys because that was the issue. And now all of a sudden they're saying you can keep the virgins. And so a lot of dynamics going on in the book of Numbers, okay? And so as we jump into Numbers 32, that's the backdrop. Now remember, we had just heard about Moses getting ready, yes, to pass away, right? And before he passes away, he then he goes into his last battle. Before he goes into his last battle, he blesses Joshua. And Joshua now has been given the mantle. And so here you have, you're talking about getting ready to literally enter into the promised land. Okay, that's what we're going to be talking about, entering into the promised land. But as they're talking about the promised land, that I mean, how many times have we been talking about in the book of Genesis, I'm going to give you this land. God says over and over and over again, I'm going to give you this land. Now in Numbers 32, verse 1, watch what happens. It says the Reubenites and Gadites had a very large number of livestock. What's a weird way to introduce your tribe? So now both the Reubenites and the Gadites had a very large number of livestock. And when they surveyed the lands of Jazer and Gilead, it says that they saw that the region was a good one for a livestock. All right. Before we jump into all this, you're going to see up here on our map. This is where you guys can go ahead and make fun. I do feel like a cheap meteorologist. Okay. Like it's just like, and the easterly winds are coming in from Aram. So whatever. Right. So the point is this, is that they're getting ready to go into the land. You would think as they're talking about going into the land, that everybody in the nation, you know, Mark, you said you're from Canada, so you have a little bit of a, a Maple Leaf Canada pride in you, right? You would think that all of the Canadians would be excited about going to the Olympics. You would think that all of the Israelites would be excited about going into the promised land. It's like this nation pride, this national pride, go Israel mentality, right? The Reubenites and the Gadites had, had a whole different plan, though. Hey, you know what? Instead of going into that land, you know, this land that we're looking at in Jazer and Gilead, this actually is really good for our livestock. Why would we need to? This thought process comes in. Why do we need to go into the land when what we're seeing right here is a good one? And that blows my mind because in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, we're getting into numbers. Every time you hear the Lord say, I'm going to give you land that's flowing with milk and honey. Like it's going to be the best of the best. And these guys think, oh, yeah, hey, this, this land looks really good for livestock. 
You just want to say, you idiots, this is not what the promise is for the Lord. The Lord did not say this, but in their mind, this is what they wanted. So the Gadites, now here it's flipped in verse 2. The Gadites and the Reubenites, they came to Moses. Eleazar, remember, he is the son. Does anybody know who he's the son of? Aaron. Aaron. So he is the son of Aaron. And so they come to the leadership, the leaders of the community, and this is what they said. Uh, the territory, now just so you guys know, I think this is just great. Uh, you know, Ray, do you mind uh, reading the names of the territories? Because this is always humorous to us when other people read other names. Adaroth, Dibbon, <laughs> Jasper. This is the Tennessee pronunciation. <laughs> Nimrah, Heshporn, Alila, Sebum, Nebo, and Beyond. <laughs> We just think that's the best. Now, this whole area, okay, you guys, just so you can see on the map over here, we're basically going to be describing what you call the Transjordan, okay? It's anything east of, am I saying that right, Kevin? East of, of the Jordan River, okay? So this land that they're describing right here, and so remember, this land that they're describing, they like because of, of it looks good for their livestock. They got a lot of livestock, the Reubenites and the Gadites. They got a lot of livestock, and then it says in verse 4, uh, which the Lord struck down before the community of Israel, is good land for livestock and your servants own livestock. Okay? So what you're thinking right now, this thought process is, and so they said in verse 5, watch this, of Numbers 32, if we found favor in your sight, remember they're talking to Moses, they're talking to Eleazar, they're talking to the leaders, if we found favor in, uh, in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Don't make us cross the Jordan. All right, you hear this. So you guys have any thoughts about this? Just this feels like the American church, like the American dream is really good and it feels comfortable. And so, hey, I'm just going to stay here where everything's nice and not go out and not follow. I'll fund you to do it, but I'm not going to do it. That's good. And in fact, even though God has already instructed us, he's told us it's better off if I'm more comfortable here. Great insight. Absolutely. Super accurate. Go to Proverbs 3.1, okay? If you guys would, go to Proverbs 3.1. We're going to come back to Numbers 32. And I think, in my mind, this is where the Lord took me. When I hear these men, the Gadites, the Reubenites, and then you're going to hear about the Manassanites uh, in a little bit here. But this is what I think in Proverbs 3, what's happening at this place. My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. Watch as this unfolds. For they will bring you many days of full life and well-being. Scripture continues on. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Think about this. The loyalty and the faithfulness of as, as a tribe, as a part of Israel, Scripture says, don't let that leave you. But what I hear is, is I'm okay if you guys cross. I'm okay, but we're going to just stay here. So this loyalty mentality of like, I'm in it. What I love about this group is you guys are loyal. We're faithful. We continue to plow through. These guys are like, hey, no, I'm out. And the scripture says, you tie loyalty and faithfulness around your neck. You write this on the tablet of your heart. And it says in verse four, then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. What you're seeing right here with Gad and Reuben and their proposal is, is that they could possibly lose favor from the Lord and man by saying, I want to stay here. And then it says in verse 5, and this is the verse that everybody knows. This is your, your magnet verse, your bumper sticker verse. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. That's what the Gadites are doing. That's what the Reubenites are doing. They're saying, you know, I, I like this plan a whole lot better than what God you have planned for a really long time through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like, who are they to say? But because they see livestock and because they see land, they think, oh, that, that naturally works. And then in verse 6, 
Scripture says, think about him in all your ways and he will guide you on the right paths. Fair question. Do you think that the Gadites and the Reubenites had God in mind or themselves in mind? And I think that's what the scripture says. You think about him and then he'll guide you. You know what they did? They thought about their path and then they hoped that he would bless it. And so this is the proposal. This is what they're presenting to Moses. Uh, bless you, Eleazar and, and the, the leadership. And so now watch what Moses says. I'm going to go back to Numbers 32, verse 6 now. Numbers 32, verse 6. But Moses, he asked the Gadites and Reubenites. I, I think he screamed at him. I think... Are you kidding me? I've gone this long to get to the land and you don't even want to go now? Should your brothers go to war while you stay here? In other words, oh, you want us to go fight for everybody and you're going to stay back and you're comfortable, as Jeff was saying, and your comfortable lifestyle and just do what you want to do. One commentator said, uh, you know, Moses probably was a little quick in what he said. In Proverbs 18.3, Kevin, if you'll go there, I'll just read it to you guys. But Proverbs 18.3, may, maybe was the initial reaction of Moses. I don't know. Uh, 13, sorry. Proverbs 18.13. The one who gives an answer before he listens, this is foolishness and disgrace for him. Now, I don't know if the Gadites and Reubenites had a plan uh, aside from saying, we just want to stay here. Maybe they had a different plan, but Moses didn't even give him a chance yet. He just said, basically, what are, you, what are you thinking? And so in Numbers 32, verse 7, Moses begins to dialogue with what Mark and Jeff was saying earlier. He begins to compare this to the spy report. He begins to compare this to what happened in Numbers 13. The spies come back and they begin to discourage everybody. Hey, by the way, guys, eh, I don't think we should go there. And so it just says, why are you discouraging the Israelites from crossing into the land the Lord has given them? That's what your fathers did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. You guys are no different than your fathers. And it says, uh, keep going to verse 9. After that, they went up as far as Eshkol Valley, where they got the grapes. You guys remember seeing that they, they got the cluster of grapes? So they go to Eshkol Valley, and they saw the land. They discouraged the Israelites from entering the land the Lord had given them. Now, I don't go there. And so in verse 10, the Lord's anger burned that day, and he swore an oath. It says in verse 11, because they did not follow me completely, your fathers, the spies, none of the men 20 years old or more who came up from Egypt will see the land I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. None except, and then two guys, Caleb and Joshua. So then it says in verse 13, this is pretty interesting, the Lord's anger burned against Israel and he made them wander in the wilderness because of 10 guys. And those 10 guys report, then communicated to all of Israel, and then they all bought in except Joshua and, and Caleb. So then they had to wander around for 40 years until what? Until they all died. They all died. And now all of a sudden, the younger generation that's now growing up, we just took a second census in numbers. Now the younger generation that's above 20, we now have Gadites and Reubenites are saying, you know what? We don't want to go either. This is why there's anger. This is why he's like, are you kidding me? And then it's just crazy in verse 14. Look what Moses calls them. You brood of sinners. Doesn't that sound like language that Jesus would say or something that Paul would say in reference to the religious? You brood of vipers. The same mentality. How dare you play the religious card on me because you think you know better than what I know. It says, stand in your father's place, adding even more to the Lord's burning anger against Israel. And then it says in verse 15, if you turn back from following him, he'll once again leave this people in the wilderness and you will destroy them all. So here's what's classic. The Gadites and the Reubenites, okay, that we're looking up here on the map, they begin to clarify Moses' frustration. Okay, so let's pull back here for a second, okay? The Gadites, the Reubenites, they realize we've got a whole lot of livestock 
and we like this land. We're not going to cross over. They say, let's not cross over. Moses responds and says, how dare you? You're just like your fathers. And now this dialogue is just simply a communication piece. And they say, this is what we mean. So it says in verse 16, then they approached them and they said, we want to build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our dependents. So they're saying this livestock land that we let let us build some things here. okay? And then he says in verse 17, but we will arm ourselves and be ready to go ahead of the Israelites until we've brought them into their place. What they're saying is we're going to send our men to go with the Israelites to fight. But can we let the women and children stay back and we can have our places? That make sense. So just in a little bit of a communication clarification, we will send our fighting men. In fact, the Gadites and the Reubenites in Numbers 2, verse 16. Can you go there, Kevin? Numbers 2, verse 16 says, this is the second group. You guys remember uh, in Numbers 1, they had, and you might not, because uh, Larry was just processing waking up, just coming to do Numbers 32. But in Numbers 1, it talks about how God made uh, the first Israeli army. And then we begin to have, once the army is made, then he starts telling them how they're going to actually start moving. Once the army is in, who goes first into the army? Who goes first? Like, are you the, you know, Tom, what would be the first person that goes out into the battle? The, the infantry? Is that yeah. how, the infantry? So the, who, who would be the first ones out onto the field, not in the air? And so the second group, okay, uh, in Numbers 2.16 would have been Reuben's encampment. 151,000, they will move out second. So they're going to say, we will send out our group still. But can we still have some people that stay back? It's kind of like, can I have one foot here and one foot here? Yeah, can I have my cake and eat it too? That's the proposal. And so it says in verse 18, we won't return back to our homes until each of the Israelites has taken possession of his inheritance. Yet we will not have an inheritance with them across the Jordan and beyond because our inheritance will be across the Jordan to the east. So we're going to go across. We're going to help our brothers. We're going to help our family fight. But the deal is, is that we're not going to have homes here. We're going to come back and live in the east. I, you just, I feel like you're playing with Russian roulette. Ray, what are you thinking? It's the problem with compromise. That it, it sounds really rational and good. And uh, that's the problem with it. And it. It's pretty devastating to your relationship with God because you're, you're compromising. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Go ahead, Larry. You know, we hear a lot in the news today about uh, the West Bank. Yeah. We don't hear anything about the East Bank. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. This whole compromising in walking with the Lord, it's probably to the point where we don't even know we're compromising anymore in the American church. It's a generalization, but... That's why we need a move of God. That's why we need a revival. To go back to our Midianite conversation yesterday, I don't know if the American church realizes that we're in a spiritual battle. And if you're not in a spiritual battle, then you might not even realize that you're actually compromising in maybe what he's asking of you. It's a process. It's a big process here. And I think what I love about you guys is that we're willing to admit our faults, the reality of who we are, but we got to work through these and keep moving forward. But if you stay back on the east side of the Jordan, you're not moving forward. So the conversation replies, Moses replies in verse 20. I'm in Numbers 32. Moses said, all right, okay, okay. If you do this, guys, arm yourselves for battle before the Lord. And every one of your armed men crosses the Jordan before the the Lord until he's driven the enemies from his presence. So he's saying, okay, I I now hear your negotiation piece. (laughs) Moses says, I now hear the clarification of what you're saying. And the land is, Scripture says, uh, and the land is subdued before the Lord afterwards. You can return and be free from the obligation to the Lord and to Israel. 
Moses gives them the free pass. Okay, this is what you want to do. You're no longer obligated. You're free to be obligated to the Lord and Israel. That's a, that's a big statement. And then this land will belong to you as a possession before the Lord. Verse 23, scripture just says, but if you don't do this, <laughs> if you don't say what you're going to say and go and fight on our behalf, if you don't cross over to help your brothers, you will certainly sin against the Lord and be sure your sin will catch up with you. This phrase, be sure your sin will catch up with you. Every classic evangelist will always use this line. Oh, we know about your sin. The Lord knows. You know, like if you don't know it, like this, this is where they get this from. This is that mentality. And it goes back to the Midianites, right? And it goes back to the Israelites who were having sexual relations and then they're opening the door for false worship just when they didn't think it was going to happen. And just when they think they were going to get caught, all of a sudden the whole country, the, the, the whole people group of Midianites are totally getting killed because of sin. And so it's kind of a reminder. Oh, by the way, Israelites, by the way, Gadites and Reubenites, if you don't say what you're going to do, I just, the Lord will get you. You can play the game if you want, but eventually it will catch up with you. And so in verse 24, scripture just says, build cities for your dependents and folds for your flocks, but, but do what you promised. So Moses is done dialoguing. When you jump into verse 26, the Gadites and the Reubenites, well, yeah, this sounds like a great deal. We just got what we wanted. The Gadites and Reubenites, they answered Moses, your servants will do just as my Lord commands. I, I love, it feels like a political response to me. Oh yeah, we're in, we'll do exactly what you said. Just to me, it's one of those things. And strangely enough, down the road, when you study in the Old Testament more, this is some of the most highly invaded lands that you'll find in the Old Testament once they start taking place. Why? Because the Lord's hand is a little bit more different on this side than it is on this side. I cannot describe it, but you guys know if you watch anything on the news of Israel, anything, it's like the Lord's hand is on that country. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. This iron dome should just be called the Lord's hand. And you begin to see that in where the land the Lord promised and then where the Lord he didn't. Just a little bit of interesting dynamics. There's a lot more there that we don't have time to get in. And verse 26 and 27, they just say, Our children, our wives, our livestock, our animals, they're going to stay in the cities of Gilead. But your servants are equipped for war before the Lord, and we'll go across the battle as my Lord orders. We're in. We're going to do this. So now this is important to understand, okay? So can you point out on the map where the Jordan is? So it's, is it right beside Gad yep. Reuben? Right yeah, great Reuben? question. Okay. So the Jordan is going to run right along here. Okay, so this is going to be, even in Israel today, you'll, it's a clear, clean break. Oh, total side note, the Jordan River, watch, towards the end times, which I believe we're in, water will play a crazy role in the end times. Okay, there's a lot of sources that come, the water comes from the Sea of Galilee. Like, people will begin to fight over and argue over even just the little things, and some of that's going to be water. Just just without even throwing scripture references, but just by being there, water is a major source of an issue. It's an interesting point. And so Gad and Reuben decided to stay on one side. Now watch this. Moses, he brings in his crew, Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the family leaders of the Israelite tribes. Why? Because Moses is not... Why would he bring in the leadership? Well, Moses isn't going in, so he's yeah. got to pass it on to the people that are coming after him. Moses can't go over. So he, he cannot implement and follow through with the land deal. Interesting enough, isn't this, this is one of the first land deals. And it wasn't a good one. Don't give up land. 
in Israel. Don't give up land in Israel. I'm telling you, the Lord says, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to give you the land. I wouldn't touch the land if I was you. So I'm just going to say very clearly, even to the U.S., anybody that oversees these roles, don't give up land. If you give up land, it will fall on us. Scripture says in Genesis 12, 3, if you bless those, you will be blessed. If you curse those, you will be cursed. I'm telling you guys, it happens all the time to the American political system. Every time we speak against Israel, something comes against us. Bill Koenig has written an awesome book uh, about these kind of components. Eye to eye. eye. Don't make these decisions against Israel or it comes against us. So I just be careful about the land negotiations. And I'm not even a land negotiator. So (laughs) land for peace. Yeah, don't do this. Land for peace doesn't work. Yeah, we're supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But the reality is only peace is going to come through Christ. That's it. All right, so go ahead, guys. Here's the deal. I'm going to bring in my posse. I want you to make sure you implement what I tell you to do, okay? So it says in verse 30, but if they don't go across, watch this. Uh, if they don't go across with you in battle formation, they must accept the land in Canaan with you. If they don't go fight, they got to stay. They got to come actually into Canaan, okay? So they make sure you fight, make sure they fight. Now watch in verse 31, the Gadites and, and Reubenites replied, what the Lord has spoken to your servants is what we will do, Okay. Verse 32, can we do this? We'll cross over in a battle formation before the Lord into the land of Canaan, but we will keep our hereditary possession across the Jordan. There's that whole compromise stuff, you guys. This is crazy to me. So now Moses, he gave the Gadites, I'm in verse 33, the Reubenites, and now watch this, half the tribe of Manasseh all of a sudden came into the picture. Hey, that sounds like a good deal. Can I have a piece of this? So the Gadites and the Reubenites and their little buddy, the half tribe of Manasseh, when you look at the half tribe of Manasseh, they scored a serious deal here. So here you have Gad and Reuben and Manasseh. And the strange part is, is, you guys, that was not how it was designed. When we begin to get greedy and say, that looks good, that's what I want. I'm telling you guys, we get in trouble. It says, the kingdom of Sion, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land, including its cities with the territories surrounding them. So this, this is what the Lord gave them. Moses gave them all of this area. He gave all of these things. This is crazy. The Amorites, uh, the Bashans, everything, it's yours, you guys. You got it. So he walks through all the territories, okay? He walks through the descendants. And then I just want to, I want to I go here with this, okay? So basically, the deal is done. Eleazar says, okay, we'll implement this. Joshua says, we'll implement this. The leadership says, we'll implement this. Manasseh, the half a tribe of Manasseh says, yes. Interesting, that had to cause a rift, didn't it? So half of the tribe of Manasseh, Gad and Reuben, they all said, we've got our land. I'm just telling you guys, when you start, um, Dr. Tom Constable said this, distance began to produce a misunderstanding and disunity from the tribes. So when we begin to do our own thing and not as a collective group, we begin to bring division even within the body. And I'll just state the obvious. Look what happens with denominations. Denominations are, oh, I don't like what Ray teaches, but I like what Wesley says, and I'm really good with how Scott does this. Did you like how I threw you under the bus, Ray? That was good, right? Yeah, Okay. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> and over the course of time, we each start saying, I like this, but I don't like that. And at some point, we're no different than the Gad- Gadites and the Reubenites. We've brought on our own little things. And we say, I like this camp about tongues, but I don't like this camp about waving flags. I like hymns, but I really like how he teaches. And we begin to implement what works for us rather than what the Lord said. And I think it's just a crazy thought behind all of this. 
is that sometimes uh, when you walk by sight, it just doesn't work. Warren Wiersbe says we need to walk by faith and not by sight. These men did not walk by faith. They liked the land. It looked good for the season. But instead of trusting him, they said, no, I'm here. And then they brought, here's the problem. They brought more people with them. People will follow things that look good. People don't want to walk by faith. So to wrap all of this up, I think it's kind of an interesting uh, process here. Uh, And I know we are short on time here, but people will prefer, this is what um, Gordon Wenham said, people will prefer material prosperity rather than living in the promised land. People would rather have quick fix, temporary pleasures, rather than going into the promised land. And if we're not careful, I love what Wenham says, we're no different than ignoring Christ's call in our life by, by taking up the temporary pleasures. That make sense? All right, so let's go to Luke 9, uh, verse 57. It's the same mentality of the Israelites were told to follow the Lord, to promise, to, to follow what his promise was. And Jesus, watch this in Luke 9, verse 57. It says, as they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. It sounds good. I'm in. But then Jesus responds, oh, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In other words, I don't know if you're really in. This is going to be actually an uncomfortable journey. Scripture continues to give you one more example. Then he said to another, follow me. And the guy came up with another excuse. And he said, Lord, let me first let let me go bury my my father. And so constantly they were looking at the temporary. Constantly they're looking at saying, you know, can I take care of this before I follow you? Before I get to the promised land, can I just stay here with my, my livestock? And then... In verse 60, but he told him another one, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Also, another, he said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. In other words, you know, God, I, I'll get to the promised land, but can I stay here for a while? Scripture just says, Jesus said very clearly, no one who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What I hear with the Israelites is they're looking back. I don't hear an utter dependence. I don't hear a trust. I hear them saying, oh, this looks good. But Jesus says, no, you put your hands to the plow and you keep going. That's really what Numbers 32 is all about. There's so much here. Go with me for a second. I'm going to give you four types of people that I love, okay? And this is really cool. We're going to end on the person that keeping your hands to the plow. Wearsby says this, some of us are like the older Jews that perish and we never made it into the promised land. Some of us, we've never, ever made it in there. We heard the promises, but we never made it. And then some of us could be like the 10 spies. You know, I I should start writing. Sorry, I didn't write on this down. Some of us are like the 10 spies who we came into the land. Remember, we went up to the highway. We saw its wealth, but we failed to enter. Oh, yeah, I like this. This sounds really good, but eh, I'm not going in. Then there's a third people group. So you have the Jews that never made it. You have the 10 spies that went in and never embraced it. And then you have the Transjordan tribes, the Gadites, the Reubenites, and now the half tribe of Manasseh. And they said, hey, we're going to enter the land. We just don't want to stay. You have three groups, the Jews, the spies, and then you have uh, the Gadites and the Reubenites. My challenge for our group Like we want to be the new generation. We want to be the folks that embrace the promise of God that has been told since Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then we want to say, we'll walk into the land regardless of what it looks like. 
Because we believe that the word of God is true. We believe that he's saying and setting a path for us. We just have to simply walk it out. So here's my challenge is, where are you? Are you the Jews that never made it in? Are you the spies that said, no way? Are you the Transjordan, uh, are you the Transjordan uh, crew here that says, no, I like it where I'm at? Or do you want to be the new generation that gets to experience the promises of God that he has for all of us? Now that's Numbers 32, Lesson 91. Guys, it was a pleasure having you here. It's a little bit weirder having you here because we're not dialoguing around a table. But man, it's a blessing to have you and run with you guys. And uh, that's it, folks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.